0: We are so excited you have decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcast weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy the word. I know many of you have plans, so we're going to go to a Easter passage, and uh, I don't always do that. I, I'm not always bound to the holidays, and I say that always during the holidays, but. uh I feel bound to this one for a few moments at least. So we're going to go to the book of Luke, 24th chapter. Probably the most common read this morning around the world. In the Christian world at least. And uh, it's well used on this particular day. Luke 24 and verse number 1. I'm just giving you a minute. I was still hearing pages. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulchre bringing the spices which they had prepared. I want somebody to get a hold of that little thought right there. They came where Jesus was buried bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre. And they entered in and found not... The body of the Lord Jesus I've said it a lot of times And I'm certain other ministers and pastors And anybody that just reads their Bible Imagine if that little word not Was missing out of scripture Then it would read And they found the body of the Lord Jesus That would make every prophet false That would make all the words of Jesus null and void because he could not carry out what he started. But the fact is, he was not there. (laughs) That one word would change the entire Bible. When they walked to that tomb on that first resurrection morning, they did not know what they would find. I'm going to prove that to you. They did not know what they would find. The scripture tells us what they expected. You've got to see it. It's not just out there real clear, but it tells us what they were expecting. It tells us their mindset. Here's how. It said they came bringing spices. These spices were prepared ointment for the dead. They were expecting. They watched the blind eye open. They've watched the the hand straightened out. They've watched ankles straighten up and a man begin to walk. They've heard peace be still. They've seen the dead raised. They've heard of Lazarus. They know all of these things. But still when they went to the tomb, they expected to find a dead man. Their faith was in their hand in those spices. Oh, so it just lets me know their faith was not real, real high. There's a lot of people that are here today. I say a lot, at least one. Your faith is not very high for this service. Not high that you'll feel anything. It's not high that you'll understand anything. It's not high that you'll, that you'll even know that the Lord is here. We're going to talk about it. They were like many of us today. Their mindset was just it's another day. It's another trip to the cemetery. And even though he promised it. Really nothing's going to change. So I want to preach from this thought. And this little subject to preach back to. But. Now I know. But now. You put whatever you want to put in front of that. Concerning the things of the Lord. But now. I know. We're going to preach that for the next little bit. And we're going to preach back to that point. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. God, I'm so unworthy to stand behind this pulpit this morning. But you're worthy for your word to be preached. I ask you to touch us all, Lord. Touch me as I speak. Let me hear you clearly. Let us share that in perfect order. Let us hear your word. Let us understand your word. And then let us respond to it all through anointing. We declare that. We believe that. And we stand on that promise right now that it is done and it is so. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Come on, help me if you believe it. Amen. 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 That means it's done and it's so. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But now I know. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to preach for a little while on this Easter Sunday morning. I'm not sure at that moment what they were expecting. After all the miracles, after all the, uh, every time that he touched someone, every time something was changed. Every time the followers and disciples of Jesus Christ came back and reported another event from some fishing excursion, he's walking on the water, he's talking to the weather. I mean, Jesus had a lot of stuff going on. It was all in his favor. And you just don't know what they expected except they did not expect the one thing he promised. He told them, if you destroy this temple... If you kill me, if you bury me, he said, I must go. I must die. He said, but on the third day. And on the third day, they didn't go looking for an empty tomb. They went looking for a body to anoint. Oh, man. Watch this. Let's just read a little further. 24 and 4 through 8. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. As they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Ah, He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered under the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his word. Did they just forget? If they remembered, the possibility is they had just simply forgotten. It's the third day and the master is supposed to be alive today. You know what I think? Some of us sometimes, we're not opposed to the Lord. We're not opposed to his people. We're not opposed to his church, his kingdom. We're not opposed to living for him. I think sometimes we just let it slip. But the Lord made us some promises. Every single one. I don't care who you are, what side of town you came from, how much money you've got, what you look like, what your native language is. He has made you a promise. And he will fulfill that promise if you will allow him to. I'm going to share some of that with you. Watch this. And so here they go. They go to anoint the body. He's not there. And then these angels or these beings say, Hey, what are you doing here? He, he's, he's gone. Don't you remember? He told you after three days he's, he's going to rise. And it was at that moment they did not know what happened, but they knew something happened. Because they knew that the situation they thought they were walking into was not there. Oh, oh! I'll just slow down, Rusty. Behave. They knew something was different. And I want to just join with them now and say, but now I know. I thought I was going to anoint a dead Christ. I thought I was going to pay homage to a dead would-be Savior. He's at least surely a man of God with, with a kind voice that possess some types of powers and dominion. I'm at least going to go pay honor to Him. But when they get there, things are different, and now they know that. I want to tell you by the end of this service you're going to be able to say there's some things I wondered about. There's some things I questioned God about. There's some things I had on my mind but now I know. Watch this verse 9. And returned from the sepulchre and told all these things unto the eleven and all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of Jesus and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles, and their words seemed like as idle tales. That lets me know how the disciples felt. They'd been told, they'd been preached, they'd been promised, but it just seemed like an idle, just, just Peter Cottontail. Come on. Just, just, a, just a fable, just a tale. It, it didn't seem like much to them. It said the words seemed idle, like idle tales. And they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran to the sepulchre. And stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves. And departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. I want to tell you something there was a stirring starting to happen that morning, just at sunrise. There was something starting to change because I see that the apostles didn't have a lot of faith. They thought it was a fairy tale. Everything they had watched and learned and listened to and been a part of and even even been in prayer circles with prayer partners watching miracles happen. But it's at that very moment when the ladies come running back and they say, hey, he's not there and and these two beings shining like lightning begin to speak to us and they said, ah, that's hogwash. I want to tell you something. You can't live for God and not trust his miracles. You can't live for God and not trust his word. You can't live for God and not trust his promises. You cannot be saved without at least simply believing. Jump to verse 15. And it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Watch this. They're walking beside him. They still don't know. They know something's changed. Something's different, but they don't have a definition of what that looks like yet. Verse 23, and when they found not his body. Now they're at the tomb. They found not his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it. Even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. They still had not seen Jesus. They know something's different, but they don't know what? Verse 30. And it came to pass as he said it meet with them, he took bread and blessed it and and gave to them. And their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. I want to tell you when Jesus Christ starts breaking open the bread of life we will start to know some things. When he starts opening up his word and starts sharing his promise and pouring out his spirit, what used to be a question will now be an answer. What used to be a concern will now be okay. What? It was right there in verse 31. But now they knew. Let me read you one more verse, 1 Corinthians 15:17. And if Christ be raised, your faith; if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins; then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Now you ready to preach you help me just for a few minutes. There's been a whole lot of debate. There's been a lot of documentaries, a lot of television shows, a lot of YouTube. I'm certain I'm not on TikTok, but I can only imagine this is the time of of year where uh, the social media buzz is crazy about this particular day, about him living and and dying and living again. And there's so much about uh, the question of who he was, if he was at all, if he even existed. And many will argue and, and debate, not understanding. They can just Simply go back to Israel's history You don't even need the Bible to find Jesus Oh that just struck a nerve Somebody said where, where else is it He's in all the history The people that say he's not real, you can find him in history. The people that say the stories are not true, you can find that. I enjoyed watching Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, doing the State of the Union address. And he stood there and he said, it was up on this very mountain where our father, David. I said, man, it ain't just Bible. This is the prime minister of the nation of Israel talking about King David and their father, Abraham. There's more to Jesus than just what you'll find in the book. Woo! a lot of debate about it. Someone was telling me that they had been uh, watching a documentary and almost every day and trying to just feast on uh, who he is and what he is and what it is that he wants to do with us. And he's looking at truths and and maybe what's fables. Maybe there was some truth and something splintered off of that and just trying to decipher for their own salvation what's right. But I want to share some things that I did not know and I did not get to experience and person because I was not there but I want to share some testimonies of some others with you can I do that just for a few moments I was not there on that first what we call Christmas morning when wise men followed the star to the manger I wasn't there but I believe that I was not there when he was just a child teaching the elders in the temple I was not there but I believe that I was not there when a 30-year-old Jesus Christ at the order of his mother turned water into wine. I was not there, but I believe that. See, we're building something here right now because the more I tell you that I'm not certain of because I didn't experience it, the more the enemy will say, if nobody was there... If nobody's alive to testify about it, if nobody can back it up, I was not there when he was a child teaching the elders. I was not there when he healed the blind man or caused the lame to walk. I was not there when he stretched out the withered arm of the man stricken with palsy. Was anybody there? I was not there when he told the seas, peace, be still. I was not there when he spoke at the tomb of Lazarus to come forth and he ordered them to remove the grave clothes from Lazarus. I was not there when the flesh was beaten and peeled back away from the body. The Bible teaches us back to the sinews. Some historians say even some bone was exposed. Maybe the rear portions of his ribcage were exposed. I don't know. You know why I don't know? Because I wasn't there. All I know is what somebody told me in this book. I was not there when nails were driven through the hands of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I was not there when that spike went through his feet. And they pressed down upon his head a crown of thorns. I was not there when he cried it is finished but I believe all of that I believe all of that I did not witness the day go dark for three hours I did not hear him say it is finished I did not hear him say Father forgive them for they know not what they do I was not there when they come back with an empty tomb report no one in this room was so how do we know Let's go. I was not there when he ascended into heaven. And I was not there some 50 days later when the Spirit was poured out for the first time on humanity on the day called Pentecost. When for the first time, individuals were wrong and individuals that did not have the right bloodline go directly into his presence I was not there but I heard a lot about it y'all ready here we go this means we've got to have our own testimony this means the Bible said prove me He doesn't expect you to pick up a book that, the best we can tell, started out 6,000 years ago and and closed out 2,000 years ago and still works as our plan today and it's unchanged. He doesn't expect you to just read the book and just say, okay, I believe it all. There's some things that come along with understanding. There's some things that bring our own testimony to line up with the book. Because we weren't there. <laughs> Let me just share this little story with you. I, I think I shared it one time with you, but this old boy, he he hated cats. His wife was determined they were going to have a cat. she brought home this little furball cat. It started climbing on things and jumping all over everything, climbing on the counter. He's about to pull his hair out. He's told all of his friends he he can't watch football anymore. He can't keep up with what's going on. He's got a cat bouncing around everywhere, and he don't even like cats. This cat's making him sneeze. He, He don't even like cats. And he said he just grabbed him a bag one day when she was gone. All the animal lovers, just get over it. It's not my story. And he threw that cat in a bag. And on the way out, just to be sure, he threw two bricks in on top of that cat. And he tied the top, and it went over the county line bridge. He came home, and he sat up there minding his own business. And his wife said, where's Fluffy? He said, I'm sure sure it's around here somewhere. This went on for several days, and she became distraught and wanted to get another cat. And he said, well, I'll tell you what. Let's wait a few days. We'll put a reward out. They posted pictures everywhere. And then he added $1,000 to it. He said, if anybody can find this cat and bring it back to my brokenhearted wife, I'll give you 10 crispy $100 bills. He had a couple of television, TV watching buddies that uh, watch football games with him. And he, he's come to him and said, hey, man, I said, you're crazy. He said, what do you mean? He said, if that cat, somebody's going to return that cat for $1,000 and you're going to end up buying the cat you never wanted. He looked over and he said, but I know something nobody else knows. You see, when you know what you know, you can afford. (laughs) You can afford to take a risk When you know the end from the beginning. Somebody hear me right now. I want to tell you what I know. I know that when I repented of my sins, at that moment, there was a weight lifted from my life. I know that I was there. I know that when I was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of my sins, I was buried with Jesus Christ. Now I know for myself Then I was filled with that great, magnificent gift called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And now I know that it's not just in Acts. It's not just to the New Testament churches, but it's to me and it's to you and I know it. Let me just share a few little things with you. I know when I had addictions, Just the mention of his name. I didn't need prison. I didn't need an indictment. I didn't need a rehabilitation center. All I needed was an old-fashioned altar of repentance and chains began to fall and walls began to come down. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm preaching right now, but I know this. You don't have to convince me of anything in the scripture because I was at my testimony. Some years later, after my own experience, I was sitting there looking at Lindsay. She had been real sick. just, Just bear with me a minute. You're going to get a chance to do anything you want to do. We kept seeing her fever go up high and high and high, and it would come down, and It'd go way up again, and we're 50 miles, 50 minutes, rather, from the closest hospital. And we sit there, and we had this nice digital thermometer, the best you could get 28 years ago, whatever it was. And I'm sitting there praying for this girl. I said, Lord, please just do something. First of all, I'm poor. I don't want to go to the doctor. I'd rather be golfing. You know, I he said, first of all, you gotta keep things in perspective. (laughs) But something just came over me and said, Do you believe anything? Do you do you even believe? And I I looked at that child and I had a digital thermometer on her right then that had 103.7 on it. I spoke these words. In the name of Jesus Christ, this fever is rebuked and cursed and must obey. Y'all hear me? In a matter of two seconds, I watched the thermometer go from 103.7 to 96.7 below the... I want to tell you, you can tell me about Lazarus if you want to, but I was there. I watched this. I know for myself Come on, somebody hear me right now. I know when I was filled with the Spirit. I know when I felt His presence. I know when His love took over my life. Let me preach to somebody right now that's been having a hard time in life. I'll never forget when Missy and Hillary and Lindsay and Kinsey were in an automobile accident. And I've told it from this pulpit several times. I'll never forget it. It was incredible to me. And I won't go into all the details, but it was a, a virtually a head-on collision, just missed head-on by just a little bit. And then They were uh, in that wreck. The girls were okay for the most part. Uh, Missy had a severely broken arm. I, I was there. I, I read the Bible. I heard about uh, arms being put together and, and legs stretching out and people start breathing that wasn't breathing. I read about it, but I wasn't there. But I believed it enough that while we were at willis in Paramount Hospital with two bones broken, hanging about two inches, about four inches long, and I reached over and said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody listen to me. They couldn't get an arterial pulse or a radial pulse. And they said, the seatbelt might have torn a main artery. We got to get her to scan right now. I began to pray. And I said, God, it can't end this way. And just like that, she said, Rusty, that thing is gone. I said, what thing? She said, that big, y'all ain't hearing me. Tell me about something else. But this is what I know. It's hard to believe some folks' testimony, but if you get in line with the word of the Lord, nose to nose, eye to eye, you can have your own knowledgeable experience. Woo, somebody hear me right now. I didn't know what to do. When the governor of the state of Louisiana invited me to come and pray for him, we'd become a 2016 presidential candidate and be knocked out of the Republican field by Donald Trump. But when we laid our hands on him, somebody said something just moved in this room. I can tell you what moved. Jesus Christ, he reaches to the highest. He reaches to the lowest. He's not bound when we pray. Some of y'all listen to me right now. He's not bound to poor people. He's not bound to rich folks. He's not bound by a church sign. Somebody else said, well, I heard. I believe it, but I'm just going to tell you what I heard because I was there. I did not know what would happen. I did not know what would happen When that out-of-state plate hit that bar ditch of Louisiana and that mother and that father jumped out with that lifeless, limp little baby girl on the side in a deep ditch with grass about this high. Me and Brother Scott Fletcher had just gotten through playing golf priorities. We had just gotten through. We were on our way home. We both said something's not right. We jumped out of the car. These people didn't look like us. They didn't have our plate. And I don't know if they knew how to pray, but I asked that mama. I said, do you mind if me and my friend and my brother Scott right here pray over you in Jesus' name? She handed us what appeared to be a dead baby in that ditch I fell in my golf clothes all sweated down and nasty from the day I said in the name of Jesus Christ somebody's not hearing me right now we can talk about Lazarus I'm talking about a baby in a bar ditch I didn't know what would happen when I prayed but now I know You'll never know what happens if you go to an altar if you don't go. You'll never know what happens in the baptistry if you don't go. You'll never know what will happen if you stand to your feet and worship God if you refuse to stand. He might not, but what if he does? I did not know what to do when 80 year old Pastor M.K. James called me. He was giving me way too much respect. He says, Brother Hathcock, there's a, to me, there's only ever been one of those besides my uncles. That's my dad. I've always been Brother Rusty, but I said, Yes, this is him. He said, M.K. James, pastor at Homa, Louisiana, just had a double cornea transplant, and I need a preacher for the weekend. Are you available? I said, I'll be there, Brother James. He was on the district board of the state of Louisiana. Very highly respected man. I walked into an absolute beautiful church. If you've never been on a on a coastal Louisiana City church, it's different. Just different uh, down there south as far as you can go. It's the end of the earth, and even their buildings are different. There's there's so much decor and it just uh, just stuff everywhere. It's just it's unreal, and you got to understand that the, the greatest portion of the population's Catholic, and so a lot of the buildings and a lot of the things, the design there follow such of that. And so here I am. I show up, and I I must admit I'm a little nervous. We've driven all the way to the end of the earth and it's this guy that I don't know real well except for painting a car with him and now years later, he's blind. He said, I want you to drive and my wife's going to show you around. We went down Grand Isle, went down to, the, to the, literally the ends of the world, down into Cornfish country. We got down in that good part of the country. We come back and it was Sunday. That the crowd was full, of building about as wide as corner to corner and about four times as deep. Probably about 400 people in the building or so. Brother James is sitting right here. Every few minutes, putting drops in his eyes because his eyes were trying to reject those implanted corneas. He kept just dropping these drops in, and I was sitting there. And they had told us we had already. Missy and I had already heard them talk about he and Sister James. How so many people had prayed and so many prophets had spoken over him and. People had anointed him with oil, laid their hands on him, and and it must just be the way it is. And and I agreed, it's just the way it is. I came to preach, to be square about it, draw a check, and go home. Come on. That's what evangelists do. It's their living. Not only their calling, but it's their living. And I preached. And they sang and people worshipped all over the place. Brother James was sitting about right here. And something come across me that I never had felt to that point. And something said, don't you dare pray for that man. Everybody has. Big name people. People that have the gift of prophecy and, and they blow on you and you fall over. Just, just just, mind your business and preach and move along. And there was another spirit warring inside of me that said, Don't miss this moment. And I looked out across that congregation and all of my youthful ignorance and faith. And I said, How many of y'all believe that your pastor can see if we pray for him? And there were a few because they had been doing it for weeks and months. Matter of fact, one of those eyes, this was a second cornea. He had been had struggle for a long time. Something just came over me, and I started looking for the oil, and I found it in a fancy bottle down there, and it wasn't like these. It had a roller and then engravings and stuff all over it. I mean, it was high class, too much for me. But I got a little on my finger. I said, Brother James, I want to pray for you. I believe he's going to heal you right now. We seen eye to eye. He stood up. I put my hand on him, and fear washed over me. I got my eyes on a blind man, and I'm declaring something's about to change in front of this whole church. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I laid my hands on him because I remembered what he said. I remember, and I reached there, and I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right now, heal my brother, show us your mercy, show us your power, and your authority, and that little old guy, he's a couple of inches shorter than me, he jumped up, now remember, he's 80 plus, maybe even, and he jumps up, and he starts dancing, and he goes... Brother Paul, is that you? He's looking at the back of the building, calling their names. The whole place blew up, and I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but now I know. Somebody needs to hear me. He touches the lame today. He heals the blind today. He delivers the drug addict today. He'll set you free with a needle in your arm and a lie on your tongue. Somebody ought to praise him right now. You don't know what he wants to do, but you will if you'll allow him to. See, I'll preach the Bible because I believe it because he's backed his word up with me. Anybody ever heard the song, American woman? You ever heard that? Or, or, uh, These eyes. Anybody ever know that? You can still go to heaven. Does anybody know them songs? (laughs) That's by an old band founded by a guy named Tom Peterson. It's the Guess Who. They traveled all over, everywhere for over 40 years. Had their original drummer for 39 years. He was the founder of Tom Peterson. I was fixing to get on an airplane to go and evangelize, preach away. Missy and I didn't spend any time apart. I didn't like being by myself. Didn't want to be by myself. But this was a situation I had to go. I saw, I'm sitting here. I'm talking to this guy. And we realized we're going to be on the same flight. And he says, "Oh yeah. Well, what what are you doing? We we were going to land in uh, in in Knoxville and then catch another flight to Nashville." I said. He said, "What are you What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm a minister." He said, "You're a minister." I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "Well, what are you a minister of?" And I thought, "Well what is this?" this guy <laughs> you know I said, "Well, I'm a minister of the Bible, the Lord Jesus, the God nobody asked me before, but James Wilson' a minister of. I mean I just figured everybody knew, but this guy didn't. I should have told him the minister of Defense, and he couldn't board, but I didn't. I said, I'm a minister of the Bible. He said, Really? I said, Yeah. He said, I want you to meet somebody. I said, okay. He carries me over to this guy. He says, You know this guy? I said, No. I said, but I see the book on top of his satchel. He's got a Bible strapped to the top of his satchel. He said, This is Mr. Tom Peterson, founding member and drummer and singer for the Guess Who? I said, Oh, that's incredible. And he looked at him, he said, Tom, this guy's a minister of the Bible. And I'm going, okay. Now what? Tom calls the band over. Well, we realize we're going to have the same layover, so we don't try to get all the conversation in at once guy comes back to me again. He starts talking and he starts asking me some questions, just basic questions about life. And all of a sudden, it clicked. This man feels something and he's looking for something that all these years of road tours and wild women and drugs and alcohol probably has not produced. He feels something different. And I met the band and at my house in my man cave and if y'all don't believe in this I still love all of you I've got a picture of all of them it says to Rusty and they all signed their name across their face when it was over the guy said would you do something for us I said what he said would you pray over us He said, you don't know how tough it is out here on this road. It's a big deal. You've always got crazy people wanting something, chasing you down, running up on the stage, whatever else he said. I said, oh, I'd be happy to pray with you. I want to tell you something. I didn't know what would happen when I started talking about the ministry of Jesus Christ. But now I know that the world is hungry. Rich people are hungry. Famous people are hungry. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all are letting on. I was there. Somebody said, Boy, it's just hard for me to believe this old book, okay? You got to believe something in life. Let my testimony lead you to Him. Come on, because I was at mine. I'll never forget, I'll never forget, me and evangelist Jeff Ferris, one early morning, stopped in McDonald's about 7 o'clock. We were traveling, walked into a McDonald's, went in to get some coffee, maybe a snack, something to eat. In this booth, this lady sat alone. She was by herself. Nobody else there. Nobody came the, the, the entire time we were there. Didn't see her talking to anybody. She's just sitting there. We get ready to leave and we got our coffee. And you know, some of you know Jeff. He's preached here a good many times. She's got her cup of coffee and we got our coffee. And she's just sitting there. She's doing nothing. We're about to walk out and she says, Hey, hey, y'all. We walked over. I could take you right to the place in Alexandria, Louisiana, if that McDonald's is still standing, what booth she was sitting in. She's sitting right there facing the door. was about to go out. And she said, hey. And and we both just said, yeah, what what can we do for you? And Jeff said, something we can do for you? And he's kind of trying to take the lead. You know, that's his hometown. She said, I perceive there's something different about y'all. And she said, who are y'all? What do y'all do? Jeff said, well, he's a. He's a pastor a little south of here, and I'm an evangelist. We get together as much as we can. She said, well, will y'all pray for me? I did not know what was about to happen in the middle of that McDonald's. In the breakfast hour... But we set our coffee down. She's sitting here facing the door. Here's the aisle. There's the restrooms and a row of booths. We set our coffee right here It stepped across the aisle. And I'm going to be real careful now because there's people everywhere at McDonald's at 7. And I reach over there and the next thing I heard was a squeal. She come up out of that booth. The Holy Ghost hit that woman and she just starts going... See, I didn't know what was gonna happen, but now I know because I went through with what I felt in the Holy Ghost. Can I talk about you a minute? I went to Sister, just wave your hand, Sister Frances. Sister Frances Harsh, a member of our church. She's been asking me, hey, I want you to pray for my family. That's all I got to say. Pray for my family. Pray for my children. She's been feeling bad, so I went to her house the other day. We We had a nice long talk, sat there on the couch and talked about a lot of things. And she introduced me to one of her children. I don't even know how many children she's got. Doesn't matter, and I wouldn't tell you a name if I knew it. But she she introduced me to a child, and I said, "Okay, awesome." She said, "These are my grandchildren." I said, "Okay, met them too." I was getting ready to leave, and I said, "Y'all want to pray?" I asked her. if She wanted to pray. She said, "Yes." She called her daughter in there. She said, "You want to pray with us? You want Pastor Hathcock to pray?" Yes, I, do. I, I, I. That'll be fine. So I had Sister Hars in this hand, and huh? okay, toy. I wasn't gonna say it, toy. I, I had that. So, Toy, her daughter, she's been praying for. She walks in the room and she stands right here on my left side. So, I got a woman in each arm. we done made us a tight circle, hadn't we? We're almost bumping heads. We're in the middle of that living room. I say, Lord, in your name, you see Sister Hars, you see her condition. You see what she's battling? Physical, spiritually, emotional. And I said, and you see, Sister Toy? And all of a sudden, it felt like fire in this hand over here. And it felt like a volcano was about to come loose. And Toy started dancing and speaking in another tongue. And the Holy Ghost hit that living room right then, right now. I did not know what would happen. But now I know. Somebody needs to hear what I'm preaching. I don't know what he's going to do when you stand. I don't know what's going to happen when you go under the water. I don't know what will happen. But because he lives, he'll decide that. Can I share one more? I know it have been 35 minutes because my timer started. She's here at 35 minutes. That's my key. They said, let me know I've got 10 minutes. So a pastor called and said, can you preach for me? Yeah, I can preach for you. He's in Columbia, Louisiana. Now, I don't even like to talk about this stuff right here, but I feel it today. I've never shared this story in public. But I feel like today with the building packed out, it's the perfect time. He says, can you preach? I said, yes, I'll preach. So I preached. I think it was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Maybe Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Whatever it was, the first night, this guy came in the back door. My right, his left. Back over here. That little sound booth built in that far corner. He just kind of parked himself over there and sat down on the carpet. Maybe mid-20s. Didn't say anything, but every time people started worshiping, he'd just go, Ah! Ah! Somebody try to sing. He went, yeah. Nothing. Church was over. We had a good time. People were touched. People were blessed. People were forgiven. Next service, it's the same thing, except this time he's laying down in a fetal position doing that. Yeah. I'm like, man, is he drunk? Is he strung out? Do we need to ask the guy to leave until he can get his head clear enough to set through a church service? Last service I was there, I want to say it was a Sunday. So this happened Friday and Saturday, we'll say, for sin's sake. So it was Sunday. This guy comes in again. I can already hear the murmuring a couple of people. Who he was, what he was, what he's doing. He's disrupting the service. He's embarrassing them. It's their church. They're trying to protect an image. Guest evangelist is here seeing all this. But he carried it further, this service. He lay back there on one side... Put his hands together and put them between his knees. Just laid back there and kicked and went. Arr! All the way while I was preaching. People kept turning around. A guy come up to me and said, we're fixing to get that guy out of here. He said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? Well, he said, he's thrown up all over the front of our sound booth. I said, well, the guy's sick. Get him out of here. And he said, no, he's not sick. I'll tell you something. I don't mention demons from his pulpit. I don't even give him the time of day. The Bible said, don't even give him no time. I don't chase him. I'm not into that. If one catches me, it's going to be a fight. You do you, and I'll do me. But that night, I was trying to reach for some lost souls, and hell was winning the fight. He's back there spinning around and making all this noise and growling, and I hate to even say it, just spewing old bottle all over everywhere and something hit me and said that boy ain't sick he's full of the devil somebody said we're fishing to get him out here I said no I'm fishing to go way through all that and I'm going to pray for him I got some anointing all I walked back to a growling throwing up Foaming out the mouth, spinning around, crazy looking guy. And I knelt down as clean and good as I could. I put that head, that that oil on that boy's head. I said, In the name of Jesus. He stiffened out and stood up before the service was over. He was baptized in Jesus' name. And somebody, I did not know what would happen, but now I know. He come to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cause the blinded eye to see. And I'm glad I've got the book as a reference, but I also know. Oh, somebody needs to hear me right now. I don't know what will happen you decide to give your life to the Lord. See, in a lot of religion, there's this this big debate. People say, you got to make Him your your personal Savior. And I've heard other people say, oh, no, that ain't the way you're saved. Well, I'm going to tell you what, if He ain't your personal Savior, you're not going to be saved. That's a start. Make a declaration. Just like when Paul met the disciples of John, He said, but there's more. I don't know what's going to happen when you make him the Lord of your life. I don't know what's going to happen when you accept him as your Lord and Savior. You get through all of that. Get through, get through all, all of the, the teachings of, of the nominal world, and it's fine. Get through all of that. But here's one thing I absolutely know. When you repent of your sins, not tomorrow, Not on Pentecost Sunday, not when the next evangelist comes, but right now. Well, I'm an addict. I'm I'm messed up. I'm hooked up. I'm in a bad... No, 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 no. I'm telling you what I know for myself. When you repent of your sins, Jesus Christ is quick to forgive you right now. Right here in this building. Peter how to be saved he said repent that's a godly sorrow turning away and uh, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin then the promise he said you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost I don't know where you come from I don't know what you're going back to but I know if you come talk to Jesus he's gonna answer you I do know that You see, the Bible said we're saved through the foolishness of preaching. I don't mind being up here soaking wet. My feet squeaking because sweat standing in the bottom of my shoes. Wet through and through. Layers. Foolishness. Red face. Well, I was red face anyway after yesterday, but I would be. (laughs) Loud, excited, act like, man, that guy There. One guy said what he does is he sets, him on, him sets himself on fire and people like to come watch him burn. That's what I try to do every Sunday. Just set myself on fire. Y'all can just watch me burn if that's all you get out of it. But here's what I'm telling you. If there's one sinner, here, let, let me go deep right now. Get ready, singers. In just a few moments, we're going to get ready to baptize. Listen, listen. I don't care what drug has you bound. It may be alcohol, it may be the, the drug of nicotine, it, it may be prescription pills that you're buying from somebody that doesn't belong to you, it, it, it might be methamphetamines, it might be cocaine. It can be be many, many designer drugs that are out there nowadays. But I want to tell you something. I don't care how long you've been bound. If you will walk to an altar. You know what happens at the altar? Something dies. You know what dies at this altar? Flesh. Humanity dies out so that Jesus Christ can be the life that now lives oh more of you got it than that maybe you're in a bad home situation maybe you've got a toy at home maybe you got a daughter or a son You I don't know what God's going to do you'll never know until you lay it out there and then you'll be able to say but now I know The most unforgiven sin, and the one that is absolutely impossible to forgive, first and foremost, is the one that's never repented of. I want us to stand together. Those that